This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Go to the right, Rand? All right, there we go. Yeah, Booker, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, man. It doesn't look as pretty as where we started, but it's still together. Don't look awful. That's the crew chief and Jesus uh, right there uh, with <laughs> Mike Davis, Mike Hogue, and Amanda Troutman. I am Taylor Zarzer. It is the Dale Jr. Download presented by Spy. Spy, the exclusive sponsor of the Dale Jr. Download, is offering 20% off your purchase of any Dale Jr. Signature 88 Collection sunglasses. Just go to spyoptic.com, find your favorite pair of 88 Collection sunglasses, and enter code Dale Yeah. Dale Yeah. Are you waiting on me still? Yeah, of Dale, course oh. I am. Wait, no, just D- be, Dale, come yeah. on. Do we, need to, do we need to start doing rehearsals for this? And no, I, it, it, it makes it even it makes it even funnier when she she sits there waiting. But uh, you do need to put that code in at checkout. The discount is also valid trackside at the Junior Nation Souvenir Hauler, and right here in the Junior Motorsports Retail Shop. That's right. Do you think that Steve Letarte's goal, besides winning a championship? which is certainly a, a very big goal. Do you think, guys, that his goal before the end of the season is to actually build a car on pit road? <laughs> like, from scratch? <laughs> he's, yeah. He's had uh, some opportunities to come close to it, right? That car wasn't too banged up. Uh, at least it didn't look it after that, that uh, first wreck. But it yeah. uh, turns out they had that broken splitter, and he had to get to work on it. They, I don't yeah. know. What they make? Four or five pit stops and basically rebuilt the nose of that car? Around and then, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Latard and the boys worked so hard to get him back out there, get him back on the lead lap. Um, I mean, it really, from a point standpoint, it, it was a good day. But more than anything, it just speaks to how committed these guys are to winning a championship. I mean, they will make the best out of every day. I mean, yeah. it's just, it really is. It, and I, I saw it up close and personal in Kentucky the week before that. Uh, with, with a car that, that couldn't do anything on Friday, uh, that qualified 29th, that finished 5th. I mean, every week. These guys will get the very best finish out of that race car, including wins. It's yeah. I got to be honest; it has really been fun to watch. You gotta, you can make the argument that at least up to now we are getting some breaks fall our way. For instance, even this past Sunday, the the reason Junior wasn't in that big wreck was because he just got the lucky dog to get back on the lead lap, and as lucky dogs do, you have to start in the tail right. end, and. That essentially, that wreck happened on that restart, that same lap, and he was able to basically come to a complete stop. That is a break. He went from 31st to 10th in one corner. That's a break that you got to get, and, yeah. and, and, and we have yeah. no problems. We've said it over and over again. We have no problems accepting breaks like that. I don't feel guilty about yeah. it one bit. That was a, We got no. lucky there, and especially the way uh, restrictor plate races can go for you. You either hate them or love them, and you hate them because yeah. you get wrapped up in stuff like that. Well, they had a, a tire hit the grill sitting on the pole in Kentucky right. last year. I mean, they they go both ways. So yeah. there's no there's no question about that. But uh, uh, I I think that the '88 team probably saved about 20 points on Sunday for sure. Uh, just with with uh, how committed they were to to building a car, <laughs> all the yeah. things they were doing there on pit road. We're gonna hear what Dale Jr. has to say about uh, the Cup race on Sunday. Uh, carrying over from Saturday. Later on, you'll hear what Dale Jr. has to say about what he did in the car, or had to do in the car, uh, and we'll also have a legendary interview coming up in a few minutes, and Dale Jr. has some comments about that. But first, here's Dale Jr. about finishing 14th, about starting the race 7th, about the big wreck, uh, 16 cars involved in that wreck, all the three red flags, the rain, all of that. Here's Dale Jr. on the on the Cup race on Sunday. The race uh, was going pretty good. We we're just kind of sitting there, and funny thing, I was behind 
Jimmy, and we weren't going anywhere. We were, everybody was sort of three wide and three wide for what seemed like rows and rows and rows. And I thought to myself, this, we're about to wreck. You're going to crash. This is ridiculous. We're three wide. We're, we, we have a 130 laps to go or whatever in this race, and we're running three wide for what? And uh, I started to consider getting out of that pack. And then I thought about Talladega and how upset everybody was that I got out of that pack. So I kept my foot in it and we wrecked. But that wreck wasn't that bad. I, you know, we're spinning around. I felt like, I, I was like, all right, cool. You know, didn't get hit by anybody real hard. Shouldn't be no big deal. But apparently uh, we got tagged in the front bumper uh, by the 21 car, I think, or somebody, the 20 car. I can't remember when we were spinning around backwards. And it knocked the splitter up real high. So the car pushed like hell through the corner. I need I needed a couple grooves to make the exit on, on all the corners because uh, the car was so tight but so we couldn't fix that we, we tried and couldn't really get the splitter back where we wanted it the splitter bars and all that stuff was broke so it's gonna have to battle that the rest of the race and I think that that would have been a real deficit to overcome to try to win so as much as I mean I'd love to be able to restart that race and maybe finish higher because I think we could have but we didn't have a car that I don't think capable of leading or even getting up in there and, and being able to challenge for the lead it just would have it could have happened. You never know. We would have tried for sure, but you know, a couple of them guys up front, you know, they had pristine cars that that were uh, faster than ours. So it would have been tough. But I know the fans wanted to see it restart. I was blown away by the reaction on Twitter. I don't know, blown away is probably a strong word, but I was surprised by the reaction on Twitter, man. But I'm learning something new about Twitter every day. So there you go. A lot of people were angry <clears throat> that NASCAR didn't wait longer. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to to keep to to keep from the backlash, maybe you know, if I was in control of the sport, yeah, I would have sat around there till eight o'clock or so and then called it. But uh, I do know one thing, and that's that NASCAR doesn't make these decisions on a whim. They have some uh, they have some connections in high places that can give them a pretty good idea whether we're going to be able to race or not. As unpredictable as the weather is down in Daytona, I feel confident that NASCAR uh, made the right decision. And I tend to stand behind them in most cases. So that, you know, that, that's that's a tough situation to be in. But yeah, if it was me, just to keep from getting my butt chewed, I'd <laughs> sit around there till late and made everybody happy, made everybody wait. But uh, it was they called it. I was happy for Eric. Eric Amaral has worked for us before, drove for us at Jerry Motorsports. I felt like we were a, a small part in getting him to where he is today. So I take a little bit of pride in his victory, and I hope that he knows that uh, the whole company at Jeremy Sports is real happy for him. It's fascinating. He said, you know, that he mentioned the Talladega deal where he didn't want to uh, drift back and, and not race up there with, with the pack, so he, he kept it on the floor, as he said. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get back into the Talladega stuff and, and all of that, but it, that, that was very early on in the race, so nobody could have faulted Junior if he did He did drop back. I don't think he would have gotten any backlash. But what I do want to remark on, Mike, is how how much I agreed with what he said about the senseless racing that was going on that early in the race. I, For the life of me, I don't understand why they were three wide that early in the race. And, you know, I, it's hard it, It's hard when you're, you know, watching a television in, in Charlotte to, to figure out whose fault it is. And everybody was talking about Stenhouse and Kenseth and, and whoever else. But I, I just, for the life of me, don't understand the three-wide racing that early on. Well, but isn't it a catch-22 a little bit? I mean, if, if Junior sits there and admits that 
you know, the, the backlash or the criticism that he got months ago at Talladega factored into his decision-making during the race. Could, could that not be the case for other guys that hear, oh, this is boring racing, it's just single file until the last 20 laps, is it right. single, you know, this stuff. Maybe that they all hear what the fans say, and they're all, I mean, and I'm not, I don't know that that's what happened here. In fact, yeah. Junior wasn't the only driver that, uh, that brought up the fact that they were racing way too hard, way too early, but they were three wide. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's a catch-22. It's damned if you do, yeah. damned if you don't. Are you going to race hard for an entire race and give the fans what they say they want, right. or are you going to play smart yeah. and then have to hear about that afterwards? Yeah, I would rather play smart, but you're right. It is it is a catch-22. The reason why I thought it was senseless, though, Mike, Tony Stewart said it best. They were a half a lap away from the caution. I mean, it was a competition oh, caution right. coming in a half <laughs> a lap. That's right. And there was no, so, listen – I get that you want to see action throughout the race. I don't need to see three wide racing when you're on the backstretch half a lap away from the caution coming out. I mean, that really makes no sense to me. I don't care about entertainment or whatever. Right. That, to me, makes no sense. That's a, that's a great point. I, didn't, I forgot all about that. But the funny thing, now that I think about it, any time that there's a NASCAR competition uh, caution, when they yeah. say very seldomly do I remember the actually getting to the competition caution. Usually something yeah. happens, and it may be just debris or something. I don't know. I just I think that there's more times they never even make it to lap 30 uh, yeah. before the first caution weighs, and then, and then you always hear, okay, well, this will be the competition caution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, they, yeah, they didn't make it again this time. No, they didn't because they were racing three wide. I just I don't get it. Well, Dale Jr. was involved in it and uh, fortunately came out the other side. And it's on to New Hampshire. But before we go to New Hampshire, there's one more thing that happened in the car. Now, Mike Davis in the last year and a half has sort of hinted at this happening from time to time. Here's Dale Jr. on what had to happen. He had to go. Here yeah. he is. Well, obviously, everybody knows we got rained out and had to run the next morning. Everybody was worried about weather on Sunday uh, and heat and all that. So I was hydrating like crazy. And... Uh, if you, uh, I get asked all the time about what do we do if we have to go to the bathroom in the car? Well, you just go. And it doesn't happen that often, maybe once a year, but it happened to me Sunday. So there you go. There's some truth, some honesty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I warned my crew. I said, hey, uh, this might be one of them days because I've been pounding water and hydrating all night. And I don't know if I overdid it. But uh, apparently I'm pretty healthy. So it's a plus side. <laughs> Hogue just walked into the studio here. Oh. We got to get Hogue's take on this. Here. That's perfect timing. Yeah, oh, Hogue, man. you're the expert in peeing in your fire suit. Go ahead. What, what, <laughs> what have your studies shown about the yeah. science behind that? You better go find some orange Gatorade so he can dump it all over his suit. And that's what he did. Yeah. You know what? And people, I didn't think about that. He has a white fire suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But pe and people were tweeting me. They're like, "Whoa, whoa! Why did he just dump a Gatorade on his fire suit? We've never seen that." And I'm like, "Well, I got one idea why that might have happened." Oh yeah, he's sitting in the car. He's like, tells Adam, I need a Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, as our friend Jim Utter will say from time to time, you'll have that in the big sport of auto racing. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Uh, well, we have, we, have, we have heard, I think it was Daytona maybe. It might have been after the first podcast we did, Mike Davis, uh, where he said something in the car about uh, to somebody, hey, man, sorry about that. And you started dying laughing. Yeah. Because uh, you knew exactly what that meant. But uh, that is some funny stuff. So, 
Hogue, usually you give him some chocolate milk when he gets out of the car. Yeah, but well, uh, an orange Gatorade this time. And I made the this, this smart point to ask him. I still don't understand how you go to the bathroom when you're going that fast. <laughs> oh, so no. I, I get stage fright standing there. <laughs> <laughs> you're going door to door. Yeah, you get stage fright, <laughs> and then yet he's in uh, in front of 150,000 yeah. people. And, and he's oh, door to door, 200 miles an yeah. hour. Just letting that it rip. Funny. That's a great question. Do you wait under caution, yeah, or does this do happen under it? green? And I think you told me, guys, you wait yeah. for caution. Oh. Oh, good. So going 70 yeah. miles an hour, just yeah. letting it rip. <laughs> Dale Jr., for the lead. Sorry about that, boys. Yeah. 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 We have an interview to do. Do we not, Amanda Troutman? We sure do. All right. Um, well, you know, it doesn't matter what stick and ball sport we're talking about. If I said who's the best voice of a particular sport, you're going to get a great debate between several great broadcasters. If I said who's the greatest radio voice in the history of motorsports, there is no debate. Everybody comes up with the same answer, and he called his final race in Daytona on Sunday, and he is Barney Hall, and he joins us now here on the Dale Jr. Download. Barney, it's uh, Taylor and Mike and, and Amanda. Congratulations first and foremost to you, and we're honored that you joined us here this morning. Well, thank you a bunch. It has been a long time, 54 years, but then... It's amazing how quickly those 54 years went by. Having to wait through red flags, et cetera, did you feel any different there on Saturday and Sunday? I couldn't describe the feeling. It was just uh, something was missing. It's not a good feeling. It really isn't. But I've had some good years. Uh, 54, you, sh- you should have some good ones to choose from out of 54 years, at it, I think. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. But, Barney, what are you going to be doing now? Well, I haven't really given it that much thought, uh, I'm still going to do some stuff I, I've been told for MRN. Uh, won't be play-by-play, but maybe it'll be some driver interviews and uh, maybe some different situations of what's going on uh, to maybe give my perspective on how I see certain things unfolding. And uh, I'm sure when it when it comes down to, to knowing it, this is probably the last few times that you'll do a whole lot of air work. Uh, it's a feeling I don't like, but uh, it comes... Who was it said once, uh, we all come with an expiration date? <laughs> probably a good thing we don't know when that's going to be. Well, I, I can tell you you uh, interviewing drivers and getting perspective and sharing your own uh, perspective, that is, uh, is going to be some value in that that uh, I even look forward to. But I wonder something, Barney. You know, as I was watching uh, you know, and listening to some of your interviews that you did over the weekend, a lot of people brought up friendships. And in a lot of the drivers that uh, you developed friendships over the years – I wonder, though, because I think people underestimate the difficulty of your job, even on the personal level. You know, you developed your friends, and at the same time, you're calling uh, and broadcasting in real time uh, your friends driving, uh, you know, cars at high speeds. I mean, it's a dangerous profession, and a lot of times your friends walk out of that track banged up. Uh, Did that ever become difficult for you? Uh, you know, when, when you're calling this stuff real time and being the professional that you are, but knowing that, you know, a David Pearson or somebody, you know, if you have a big wreck or something like that, did it ever become uh, a difficult situation for you? Yeah, it gets, it gets really hard when you see a, a big uh, pileup like we saw over the weekend and uh, guys that you know real close. Uh, and it, it, the first five minutes after a big wreck like that happens, I think uh, all of us, uh, no matter what capacity we're in in racing right now, we realize there's been a, a, a really uh, big pileup up in turn three and four or down in one and two. The first thing that goes through your mind is, God, I hope they're all all right. And uh, you just have to kind of suck it up, I guess, and 
eventually it, it, it does turn out the safety features that NASCAR mandates in these cars now, uh, it's absolutely a miracle. And it does affect you when you're sitting up there trying to broadcast it, and especially if it's with somebody that uh, you've had a real close relationship with. Well, I heard over the weekend that uh, Dale Earnhardt, when he, sometimes when he would uh, win a race, would, uh, would tell you to leave the gate open on your property so uh, he could uh, come catch some catfish, I believe. Uh, the following day. I, I know that happened quite frequently. Yeah, it did. Uh, situations like that, you, you'll remember them forever, I, I guess. And with Dale, there's just so many things. Uh, I guess the first four or five years that uh, Earnhardt came on the, on the scene, uh, I felt like I was pretty close to him because he confided in me in some different things and whatever. And uh, a lot of times he, he would tell me, he said, I need some help in, on this race at Martinsville next week. And I'd say, well, what kind of help do you need? And nine times out of ten, he'd say, well, tell them people out there, them listeners out there and them race fans that I'm not a dirty driver, that I don't spin people out just for the fun of it and whatever else. And I kind of laughed, and I said, well, why don't you just let your actions on the racetrack speak for that? And he kind of laughed, and he said, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> was he a dirty driver, Barney? No, he was. A <laughs> I don't think he was. I, when he first came on the circuit, he'd be like any young driver to get a, a decent, real good cup ride he's going to get out there and and try to test everybody in the in the field to see just how good they are against how good he is but uh, yeah he was pretty fair chauffeur well barney before we play a message from dale jr uh because you had a huge impact on his uh, career how far back do you go with the Earnhardt family i guess uh, from the time dale started coming around in uh, 1970 along in there we got got to know him a little bit uh from running some of the uh nationwide races at that time also if, we, if we've got time, I'd like to tell you one little story about uh, Earnhardt. we got all the time. <laughs> uh, he was a big fisherman and a, a sportsman of hunting and fishing and, and the outdoors and whatever. And he loved frog legs. So when we were home one weekend, we went out to the lake on a small lake and about three or four of us in the boat, and we were going to go what they call frog gigging. Uh, which meant you took a spotlight and go along the bank and see the big bullfrog sitting on the bank, and and uh, you, you gig them, and then you take them back, and somebody prepares them with, with the frog legs. But that particular night, there was about three or four of us in the boat, and we were kind of drifting along the side of the lake there, and all of a sudden, uh, Dale started yelling, uh, look out, look out, look out. And I said, what's wrong, what's wrong? He said, there's a snake up on that limb hanging out over the boat. And I looked, and sure enough, there was. And everybody went kind of crazy at that time. And we had an old twenty-two rifle, and Dale picked it up, and the, the snake fell off in the boat. Well, he, he was going to shoot it, and he fired a couple of shots without even thinking, I guess. And he shot two big holes in the bottom <laughs> of the boat, and it sank. We were trying to get out get away from the snake, and the next thing I knew, we were standing in water up to my knees. Yeah, so, riddle. I haven't forgot that. Yeah, to get away from one snake, now you're in a lake full of thousands of them. <laughs> yeah. That's My one goodness. way to put it. Yeah. What, uh, let's talk real quick about Dale Jr. Um, in a sentence or two, I mean, how would you describe Dale Jr. as far as how you know him, how you've known him over the years, and maybe even compare him to, uh, to the way you knew his dad? Well, I think Dale Jr. came along at the right time. Uh, he ended up in a pretty good ride starting his career very early, like he did. He had good equipment, and he had good people to work with. That made a big difference in, in his performance. And I think he wanted to do it about as bad as anybody I've seen uh, when you come into business so, when you're 
18 or 19 years old. And for him, he was he was pretty well dedicated to it. Uh, he really was, and I certainly still is today. And I don't. People say, did did he pattern himself after Dale Senior? Did Dale Junior? I think he did to a point, but I think he he became his own person, as they say, after mm-hmm. he'd been around about one season in the business. And he he didn't really know what to make of all of it. A lot of times, I think, but uh, once once he figured out that I've got good equipment. Uh, I'm at a racetrack I'm comfortable on, so we, we got a shot to win that thing. And I, I, we, he didn't start too many races that he didn't feel like he had a shot to win. That's right. That's right. Is this uh, is this his best year so far that you can remember? Yeah, I would say it is. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I think he's come out of his shell, as they say, and uh, is just letting the, the the whole Dale Jr. get out there and do what he feels and and drive the race like he wants to do it, rather than have somebody dictate it to him all day long. But uh, He's a hell of a driver, I'll tell you that. He's very impressive uh, on the track and off the track. Great stuff there. Let's uh, hear what Dale Jr. had to say about you, Barney Hall. Uh, he left a message for us uh, here to play here on the download, and here it is. We got uh, Barney Hall calling in today, and he is retiring from the broadcast booth. Uh, he's been calling races as long as I've been alive, and uh, it seemed like anyways. But uh, he, he's the voice. He's There's no... There's been nobody better, and there never will be another Barney Hall. I've grew up listening to him call races. He called races so good on the radio, you didn't even need the TV sometimes. You'd just turn on the TV and turn the volume down and then listen to Barney Hall tell you what was going on because the guy just simply had the gift, and I'm glad that he was ours. Uh, The sport's better off, and we're going to miss him. So thanks, Barney. There you go. Thank you, man. There's Dale Jr. Yeah, Jr., uh, he he has so much respect for for Barney and and really the entire, uh, you know, team of uh, Motor Racing Network and even the Performance Racing Network. Those guys uh, have a, a, you know, a huge commitment every week that people take for granted. Uh, Barney, what are your thoughts to hear Dale Jr. say that? Well, it kind of makes you feel pretty good uh, because sometimes you wonder about these guys. They're in the limelight all day long, and and, uh, we talk about what they're doing uh, how good their pit stops are and things like that. And it's just, uh, it's like I said a moment ago, uh, until all this sinks in that uh, I won't do any more play-by-play, but I'll still be around with with MRN to do some driver interviews and some special features and stuff. And I hope they'll tune us in on that. And and the the listeners, the drivers, the crews, uh, the guys couldn't have been better to me over the years. I don't think I've ever had that uh, much of a run-in with anybody. And uh, about any time I needed a, a... an interview with them or whatever, unless they were just covered up and couldn't do it. But nine, nine times out of ten, whatever you ask them to do, they did, including Dale Jr. He's a, he's pretty easy to talk to. I have to ask you, you know, Barney, there's so many wonderful things that we have learned from you in, in this interview and, and through the years, and countless people recall how much respect they have for you, and including our own Amanda Troutman, who, who thinks the world of you. But if there's one thing I've learned from you through this interview and through listening to you for years and years and years, it's how much you love the sport. And, and that's the toughest thing for you to walk away from because you still have such passion for it. Barney, when did that passion, when was that created? Uh, when, you were, when you were young, did you know, you know what, I want to be involved in motorsports for the duration of my career? Uh, no, you knew you liked what you were doing, but you did, never thought about doing it full-time to, to make a living at it. Uh, but once you did step away from everything else 
and started doing the races from start to finish uh, on pit road and everything else. Then you just, as I said, you kind of suck it all up and uh, get back out there and do the job and do what, what needs to be done. Barney, I got to know, who is the next best driver? Like the young guy that you have your eyes on that when you saw for the first time, you're like, that guy's going somewhere. And also, who is the next best radio voice, you know, to sort of carry, uh, carry on the torch? The best driver and the best radio voice that will take us into the future. Boy, that's a, that's a tough question, especially going into the future and who's coming along right now that might be able to step in there and uh, plug up a few holes. Uh, actually, the, almost half or two-thirds of the young drivers coming in nowadays, when they come in, they sit down in a first-class race car. They've got the kind of people that they need in the pits and uh, to work on the car. There's just so many of these young guys that's come in that have got so much talent. And what about radio? Uh, radio? Man, I could, I could spend a half a day sitting here looking at a, a blank sheet of paper and write down a few names. But there are a lot of young guys uh, that are in radio right now that will be around a long, long time uh, working the pit road. Dave Moody's going to be here for a long, long while. And, and guys like that, that's, he hadn't been here as long as I have, but he's been here a pretty good while. Right. Uh, there's just so many of the young guys that can uh, pick up the torch and run with it and do very well, I think. Do you have any advice for them? Like, what, if, 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 you know, if, if they're going to make it in this sport, what do they have to do? Well, there's probably three things that all of us need to do at a given time in this business. One is if you, if you tell the listener what's going on on the racetrack, uh, describe what's going on right now at the present, and then you drop back and uh, talk a little bit about uh, if, if they've had some kind of a problem, you talk about that, and then you talk about maybe that final round of pit stops and what they're going to do out there. Mm-hmm. And if you do those three things, man, it's hard to do a bad broadcast because you're telling the listener just about everything he wants to know. And uh, who's going to be the best at that? Well, I'm going to have to say you, your guess is as good as mine in that one. But there is a big list of them, that's for sure. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think Dale Jr. is right. I don't think there's any, ever going to be anybody like you again, my friend. And, and I'm sure it was emotional there in Daytona and the, at the driver's uh, meeting to get that standing ovation and all the people that come up, came up and uh, shook your hand. And you certainly deserve it. And I'm, we're really thrilled that we're going to get to keep hearing you do these interviews moving forward. We hope you have a lot of fun with that. Pretty sure we'll have a heck of a good time with that because that, that's one of the parts of this game that I really enjoy is getting up close and uh, talking to different drivers and talk to their crews. And, and a lot of times they'll tell you things you probably wish they hadn't. But uh, that's part of this business, I guess. I learned a long time ago what uh, it's kind of like the Vegas deal. What goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> the same thing with us, I guess. Especially when we're out eating and uh, telling fibs, which we do that once in a while. Well, we want to continue to hear the fibs. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Regardless of what happens next. But, Barney, also, I, I want to get in line here and also tell you thank you. Um, you know, from back in my days when I was in middle school and, and high school, my first experiences of NASCAR were not on TV or at a racetrack. It was, uh, you know, like at Wolf Teaver Creek and Harrison Bay and Chattanooga, Tennessee, you know, on a, on a little uh, John boat uh, fishing. And I had a radio. Me and my buddy, we'd always have the radio in that boat. And uh, we, we weren't catching fish, but we were listening to Barney Hall and Motor Racing Network bring us the race. And that's, that was my first experiences of NASCAR. So, Barney, thank you. Thank you for for that, uh, for for uh, those memories, and and then many more that came after that. I just uh, I really appreciate it. Well, I I appreciate you guys. You, there's I, there's not enough words in the dictionary to really tell all the people in in uh, racing how I feel and how much I enjoy being around them and uh, 
telling jokes and just just being there and having fun with each other sometimes it's uh you kind of wonder do they pay me to do this <laughs> that's right thank you so much for doing this today barney and uh we look forward to hearing your voice again soon on the on the motor racing network and congratulations on all you've accomplished it's a real thrill to talk to you well i appreciate it and uh tell dale jr when to come by and uh, i've been thinking about the uh, way he can win a little bit maybe another race <laughs> i'm serious i'm dead serious there is there's something that i've has observed in dale jr and a couple of the other drivers too that it can make a difference sometimes of whether you win or lose a race and uh, i think I'd like to sit down with dale jr sometime which we will do that and make a suggestion he may throw okay. me out of the deal on my head but <laughs> I no, think, I think this will help. I think Dale Jr. will be the, as soon as he hears that he will be calling you immediately, uh, without a doubt. And and also, if he ever has a snake problem, we hear that you're the guy to to call over and uh, you, you took tips I'm from the, the old man. Out of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I told somebody when I was in the Navy, they uh, put me in diving school. And the first time I went down, uh, they sent down a note attached to a little rope that said, "Come up, the boat is sinking." <laughs> That was that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Barney. And, uh, yeah, Junior will definitely be calling you. Uh, we take it. He, I know Dale Junior. He'll take any uh, advice he can get. And so, All uh, right, we'll see. No, no hurt in taking it from the best. So. All right. Thanks for everything, guys. Thank you. Well, Amanda, we, we have to bring you in on this conversation and uh, get your perspective on the great Barney Hall. I, I know that you mean the world to him. I'm, I'm certain he means the world to you. Um, you worked with him for many years, and I, I'm sure this weekend was emotional for you just like it was for many others. Yeah, I actually uh, I felt I teared up. I, I hate saying that because I felt like a pansy. But uh, <laughs> I felt bad for him because just over the, the years that I've worked with him, he is not one to like the spotlight whatsoever. Like, he can't stand it. So, you know, I saw him. They did that whole deal in the drivers' meeting, which they should have done, which yeah. was fantastic. Um, TNT brought him on their broadcast, and I mean, just the like my Twitter timeline blew up from all kinds of people about it. And all I could think was, "Oh my God, Barney is probably so uncomfortable right now." But I'm so happy to see how many people loved him because I think I've been so lucky to know him on a level that nobody, you know, probably will ever get to. He's he's a family member to me, so I was happy to see that other people were getting a glimpse of how humble and how great this man is, not just in his career, because I don't think there's ever going to be anybody that could top this man's career. But but he's just I, – I love that people finally got to see the humble, fun side of Barney Hall. You know, yeah. when he was talking about how it is actually – I mean, he was being completely honest and candid that this is not a good feeling for him. What, what did he mean by that, do you think? I think he just – he his he don't he doesn't know another life you know if you think about it his good friends were people like David Pearson who retired years ago and Barney's kept going um you know and he's he's seen so many things come through the sport but I don't think he knows what to do with himself now he's always had free time but he's always been at the racetrack at the same time too yeah so I think he's kind of in this limbo period of you know what am I going to do now that I'm not he he's still going to go to the racetracks. I I did find that out. He's still, oh, really? you know, yeah. He'll still travel some. Um, you know, he's not going to do the play-by-play anymore. That's what he's retiring from, but you know, I think there's just going to be a huge void for him to fill and he's just kind of in that space of I don't know what to do. Yeah. You does, know? does Joe Moore step into his spot now? Is that what happens? Yes. They kind of built that three-man booth over at MRN just, you know, kind of 
I think in a way for somebody else to kind of learn from Barney as well. So we did that the past couple years when I was there, um, just kind of in preparation for, mm. for Barney to eventually make his way out, which we, you know, unfortunately we all knew it was going to come at some point. Everybody's sure. going to retire. Sure. But, um, you know, Joe's going to kind of step in and be that lead anchor. And then Jeff Striegel was the third booth man that they, they brought in over gotcha. there. So, Well, uh, there's no question that it, it is amazing the impact that he has had on, on everybody associated with motorsports. And, you know, I think the world of Doug Rice, who, of course, is uh, the, the lead anchor for, for the Performance Racing Network, I think it's pretty cool that he sent out a tweet on uh, Saturday night that said, thanks to the great Barney Hall, you've been an inspiration to every motorsports broadcaster. You have no equal. So it doesn't matter what company you work for. Uh, everybody feels the same way about Barney Hall. And it's cool to hear what uh, Junior had to say as well about uh, the great Barney Hall. Amanda, thank you very much for making that happen. That was absolutely yeah, that was tremendous stuff. All right, uh, before we get into Reaction Theater, let's remind everybody about Spy's exclusive deal for Dirty Mode Radio listeners. Go online to spyoptic.com and check out Dale Jr.'s signature Spy 88 collection. It includes the Dirty Mo, McCoy, Quanta, General, and Farrah for the ladies. Enter discount code Dale Yeah. Dale Yeah. Dale Yeah. Okay. That's D A L E Y E A H at checkout and receive 20% off your purchase. Use the discount code not only just on Spy's website, but the Junior Nation souvenir hauler at the track and also right here in the Junior Motorsports retail shop. Go online and check out this awesome limited-time offer. Let's go to Reaction Theater. What in the wild world of sports was Ricky Stenhouse doing? Going for the lead like that with less than 500 feet from the flag. And Trevor Bain, what were you doing? If you stayed straight, Junior wouldn't have had a problem. Hopefully the guys in Steeple Park done a heck of a job getting Junior back out there with uh, only a lap down. So hopefully this thing will work out and Junior will win this race. Dale, yeah. Oh, he he's calling during yeah. the race, Amanda. Oh yeah, that's yeah. why I put him first. Nice, yeah. nice. What he what he said. That's how I felt. Yeah, whatever it's worth. Yeah. You know, uh, real quick, I will say this. A lot of people were wondering. All right, so after all those pit stops, did they get the car back to speed? And I will say that it was really hard to tell because for the next seventy-seven laps, Junior was either a lap down or not even in the lead pack, trying to get his lap back. And so there wasn't like a good template to go off of of seeing whether he was going to be competitive or not whether they got mm -hmm. that splitter fixed as it turns out when he got his lap back and was like all right now we're on equal footing now we're going to race and see if he can come through the pack that's when they wadded him up yeah. you know uh, and so who knows yeah well we'll never know but yeah. uh on to new hampshire all right who's next i got two comments i'll make them quick first of all good job to that 88 team today after that wreck managing a 14th place finish i'm so proud of y'all uh hearing you guys on that radio uh steve Batart calling the shots had my race view audio on in the in-car, listening to y'all, making all them pit stops, doing all that hard work and getting that car back to where it was. I mean, that's amazing, dude. Nice job. Second comment is um, people bitching that they called the race. It is now 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it is raining like hell. It has been raining all day. So what else do you want them to do? Do you think they want to lose money and piss people off? just because they want to do it. They have no choice but to cancel the rest of the race. Get over it. And let's go out and get them next week, Junior. Get her done. Go get it. Dale, yeah. Dale, yeah. Guys, hey, guys, uh, I have no problem with what NASCAR did on Sunday. Let yeah. me just ask this question. 90%, or probably more than that, are at the track hours and hours and hours before the scheduled start time each and every week. If weather is in the forecast 
for a PGA golf tournament, they move up all the tee times by four or five hours. This happens probably five or six times a year. It was pretty dry Saturday, Hogue, was it not? It looked pretty, it looked pretty nice to me Saturday afternoon. Absolutely. In, Why in are you Daytona. dragging me into this conversation? No, I'm just because you were there. <laughs> now, I know, I agree. You were there, so, I I'm have, just, I, so I, I, here's what I'd like to know. All day long it was nice on Saturday. So, why why can they not consider, hey, you know what, the forecast looks terrible for the next couple of days. Let's drop the green flag. We're going to do it four hours in advance. Like, I, I don't understand why that's not an option because it is in golf. And, listen, the crowd's got to get there early in golf when they do that. And there's TV uh, in golf. Yeah. So, so what they do is they just – and, listen, I know this isn't the most ideal thing in the world, but what they do uh, for those golf tournaments is they run it on tape delayed. Hey, in Charlotte where we live, that's happened. So at the Wells do? Fargo Championship. Well, what about when the fans show up? You know, they're, hey, I'm going to get to the race at four. With the race started at noon, and they are, they have bought tickets, and they they show up, and the race is coming to an end. They're kind of again. Surprised. Here's again, Mike. I, here's my response to that. I've never heard with all the stuff I do in the golf business. I've never heard one person ever say, "Hey, man, I missed the tournament. What happened?" I've never heard one person say that. But they you, all realize, you know what? The tournament's starting earlier. I got to get there. And every almost everybody that goes to a NASCAR race is already there for it. I just don't get why that's not an option, Mike Davis. I, I don't know. I just think you're, it, you're never going to please everyone. That's just all there is yeah. to it. No, that's an interesting point. I didn't know they did that in the PGA. Uh, and, and, you know, you hear people talk about that at the track a lot, and you hear the answer is, well, TV. Uh, TV's why you can't do that. And I don't know. Maybe that is part of the reason. I don't know. I'm not NASCAR. But I, I do want to talk about this for a second. Taylor, did you have a problem with them calling the race when they did? None. No problem. Neither did I. I'm not saying that I don't, you know, discount everyone's opinion, and plenty of people do, and they were upset that they called that race. But the, here's the thing I didn't understand. All the people that complained, as soon as the race was called, which was what, 3 o'clock? Yeah. yeah. If I'm going to be on that side of the fence, I'm going to at least wait until 8 or 9 o'clock to make my argument to see if it actually right. was going to quit right. raining. Exactly. And it didn't. Yeah, it, exactly. It maybe did for 5, five 10 right. minutes, 30 yeah. minutes at most. But the fact yeah. is that if you're going to sit there and – cuss out NASCAR and call them every name in the book and say you don't in it for the yeah. fans and all this stuff, at least wait to see if it act, the sun comes out before you make that argument because, yeah. in hindsight, it never did. It, yeah. you know, And you would have been there till now there's some people who say, fine, that's why they made lights. Well, again, I, I, I think that there's a lot more into it. It's way more complicated than that. When you factor in the logistics, you factor in all these kind, the work hours from the the uh, you know the track workers and stuff. There are things that have to come into play, and whether we like it or not, it's reality. Yeah, I completely agree, a hundred percent. I have no problem with what NASCAR did on Sunday. I thought that they 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 it did it perfectly. So, uh, good discussion on that. Uh, definitely something to think about uh, moving forward. All right, what do we have next on Reaction Theater? Dale Jr. has the best PR people in the whole world. The JR Motorsports marketing crew is so awesome with the fans. It was so nice to meet you, Hoagie Buns, and talk with you again at driver intros for the Nationwide Race. I can't get over the fact that we made you blush because you didn't want me to take the picture and rat you out to Mike Davis while you signed the hat. But Hoagie Buns, we love you. Thanks for treating my girls so awesome. Dale, yeah. That's our good fan. That's I don't even. I can't even J- look at you. J- I can't even look at you. What? Yeah, he's like, look. 
they were trying to take pictures. They're like, will you take a picture with us? And then our hat. So I said, no, because Mike Davis will get me. And now she calls in and we play. <laughs> and, yeah. Amanda, and Amanda, it's third call. Yeah. She's like, yeah, that's going to make the cut. I thought it was great that, you know, the Junior Motorsports PR team, yeah. marketing team is so fantastic. Like, Unlike that's a good thing. Other. That's we why I played it. time out for the fans. And they even gave me little birthday cards. You know them, JRM Fan 88. I know. Yeah. I love those. I, I love her. Yeah. He, I, Mike Davis, you, you're going to have to come to a race when Hogue is also there because it's either you or it's him. You know I mean? Like, you got to see this up close and personal. Hogue, I, I saw it with my own eyes in Kentucky. This guy is an absolute rock star out there. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> he really is. And, and I love that they don't even call him Hogue anymore. It's Hoagie yeah. Buns. Hoagie oh. Buns. Thanks. Hoagie that, Buns. Let's not start that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, who's next? Bad, 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 bad. Bad call by NASCAR. Three o'clock in the afternoon, and oh, they call the friggin' race. <laughs> I am so disappointed. So disappointed. The 88 team, they did everything. They came back. We're in the top ten. We came in for the pits. We never would have pitted if there was any chance they were going to call the race. I am so disappointed with NASCAR. What an unspectacular ending. Hmm. Well, to be clear... The reason they pitted was because there really wasn't a whole lot to lose. They said, in fact, that Steve said, if they come in, stay out. If they stay out, come in. We were running like 11th or 12th at the time. We came out. We lost two spots. It wasn't going to make or break. You know, it wasn't going to, like, kill you on points or anything like that. So, you know, he, it was worth the gamble at that point in case it got started again. She's entitled to her opinion for sure, sure and, absolutely. And, and, and it's coming from a good place. I mean, she wants to see Dale Jr. run more laps so he can try to win the race, and that's absolutely. great. Absolutely. But uh, I just I don't have any. It was raining. I mean, what? It kept raining. Yeah. I really don't have any problem with it. All right, who's next? That's total BS. Had it been the '88 car in the lead and a red flag out, we'd still be racing. <laughs> it wouldn't been early, only because it was the '43 car and King Richard and the anniversary. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Junior, NASCAR's always dogging Junior, yeah. ruining his Keep chances. Keeping the man down. Yeah. Uh, there's some people out there, they're probably not listening <laughs> to this great. podcast, but there's some people out there that would probably disagree yeah. with him yeah. about if the 88 was out front, they would <laughs> still be racing. I just want to give a deal, yeah, to Mr. Barney Hall. Uh, he's a true legend, and um, I, I truly believe that announcing a race on radio is one of the hardest things to do in sports, and he never missed a beat. He will be missed. Thank you, Mr. Bernie Hall. How hard is it, Taylor? Oh, you, I was going to say. You're in that business. What, what is the difficulties, and, and how is it unique? Uh, Mike, I think, it, it, at least to me, it's the hardest. Uh, it is really, really hard to do the play-by-play of a NASCAR race and try to consume all that's going on. TV tells the story for you to a degree. Yeah. Radio, you've got to tell the story. You've got to provide all that action and all that drama. And you have about 100 different stories happening at the same time on the track. Uh, it is remarkably difficult, in my opinion. And I have so much respect for Barney Hall and the amazing job. And the, he always felt so comfortable on the air. I mean, yeah. forever listening to him, he never felt like the situation was too big for him. He always was this just guy that was in total control of the broadcast. And I'll remember that forever. I I can, as an Alabama boy, I, I I can think of him talking about Davey Allison right now, and I'm 12 years old again. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm going to miss him for sure. Did he ever get worked up, Amanda? Like, what what would work? Because Taylor's right. He has a sense of peace about him and a calm <laughs> on the yeah. radio that is, it's very, uh, it's addicting. It's, you know, it makes you want to gravitate towards his voice. But what would get him mad? 
I, you know what? I don't think I ever saw him mad. I've seen him panic before. Oh, really? <laughs> one time, it was one year, and I can't remember. It was like 09 or 010 uh, or 2010. Um, it was Homestead, and it was back when racing logistics was still around, and we were supposed to take the bus over to the airplane. They always had one of those big buses that took all the crew members. And they somehow I missed their call, and it was Barney and I only on that flight. Well, the bus left us. And I have never seen panic like that in Barney <laughs> Hall's eyes. And all I'm thinking is, oh, crap, I've stranded Barney and myself. I've stranded Barney Hall in Homestead, Florida. <laughs> so so we run up to that victory lane stage that Speed does, or what yeah, was what Speed. Was speed? Um, yeah. And Jimmy Spencer was on the show. And during a commercial break, here goes Barney. He scurries up on that stage, and he's like, well, Jimmy, we're stuck here at the track. <laughs> gonna need a ride <laughs> yeah so j- luckily jimmy because uh, he was on that flight as well uh gotcha. let us get on the helicopter with him and we we flew out but that was probably the one of the few times where i've seen like sheer terror in barney hall's eyes you don't want to get stuck at home hey, <laughs> and, and, and to amanda's point i mean and, and mike uh, all of y'all can speak to this there, there's a lot of uh chaos and panic going on with travel uh oh, with yeah. nascar races every single week and rides etc ask hogue about that yeah hogue <laughs> left newman a few weeks ago no uh. ask, ask hogue about his uh, experiences <laughs> post-race uh, when you're trying to get out of the track oh, he, he hates it. that's the part of the job you hate the most isn't it well, that and the right before the race at the car those yeah. two are the most stressful times of the yeah. weekend mm-hmm. yeah you don't want anything to go wrong for sure all right what do we have next hey i'm on my way into town to get my wife some ice cream Pretty much the highlight of the day because that race sucked. About the only bright spot was how good of a job Steve Latart did on pit road, getting us back in it. And we probably would have been around had the race gone the distance, but as we all know, the weather is terrible down there. So good job, Steve and the crew. Good job, Dale, fighting back for the lead lap. And uh, glad Kyle Busch is okay, but pretty fun to see him on his roof and J.J. Rex. Dale, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't enjoy seeing him on his roof. I, I, I was... Uh, and I know it was kind of a slow roll. It wasn't like yeah. his, one of those, you know, high-impact uh, deals. But I don't know. I just like it when those wheels are on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. It, it's, it was pretty crazy and just a, a wild, awkward weekend. All right, one more. Dale Jr., Steve Latart, you guys did a hell of a job getting that car back up there. Probably didn't have a shot to win, but a top 15 will take it after, you know, the first wreck and missing that huge one the second time. Fact number two is beyond my comprehension how NASCAR can call a race at 3 p.m. in the afternoon when the Daytona 500 went into the wee hours of a Sunday morning. As a fan of NASCAR, I am disappointed. As a ticket purchaser of NASCAR, I am thoroughly disappointed. And most importantly, how can you tell your drivers to give 100% effort all the time when you're not willing to show your fans, the people who... who, supply your sport with the money, the people who make the sport go, that you're not willing to give 100% by calling a race at 3 p.m. Maybe it doesn't go back green. Who knows? I hope something changes from that. I just don't understand what what is the alternative. They'd still be there. Like, I I don't get it. But, listen, everybody's fired up about it. But, Mike, I, I thought you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they wouldn't have raced again on Sunday. They, but wait they, a second. He brings up a point, and I don't know the answer to it. When did they restart the Daytona 500? like 10 o'clock or so wasn't it it was pretty late in the evening was it because i think it ended close to midnight or one o'clock when are we talking about this past year or year before this year yeah this year yeah. my only theory to that is that i i think it was robin pemberton in the media center said that they had him there saturday working what 12 
12 to 18 hours, that, that being the workers at the track. Yeah. Okay. And then you got another day where you could potentially put that same amount of hours on them. And yeah, I think yeah, that no, factored I remember in. Now. Yeah. It, I th- yeah, I think you're right. I think that's part of it. But I think the other – the forecast when Dale Jr. won the Daytona 500 was better. Yeah. There was no more rain coming. True. There was more rain coming. I mean, and they, and yeah. they, were, they weren't halfway yet. They that's not, right. That's, that, no, oh, that's that is exactly people. right. They so were not. They were not halfway. Weekend, we could still be there, just like yeah, Michigan a couple years ago. Oh my goodness. It yeah. kept raining. Like that's the thing that people we just got to mention here. It kept raining. Yeah. yeah. You know. The, so listen, I don't think NASCAR was happy about it. The, but there's nothing they could do. The one thing I, I was NASCAR and I was thinking this is, I, again, I personally didn't have a problem with them calling the race. I think that. Uh, they could have done a little bit better job than waiting till uh, Pemberton addressed the the situation. Like I don't know, hour two hours later, to sort of got in front of it a little bit, just from a PR standpoint, and you know maybe said something on the telecast. You know they used to have Mike Helton get on the telecast, yeah. uh, you know up in the booth right. and, and kind of explain something, a decision yeah. that NASCAR did. That that wouldn't have hurt, you know, at least just to uh, hear the voice and, and instead of waiting till you know. You kind of hear about it on Twitter or something after Pemberton's press conference, which came well after Eric Amarola's winner's press conference. So, I mean, this is, you know, a couple hours after the race. By that time, these guys have already called Reaction Theater. People have already <laughs> formulated their opinions. I mean, it's like uh, that's one thing I probably would have done different. Yeah, I mean, listen, just a thought is about uh, racing it early. And Larry Mack uh, tweeted it out on Saturday, so we should be racing right now. Uh, golf has five different networks they have to cater to from television. And they still figure it out. They when when there's rain coming in the forecast, they tee off earlier. They show it later on, but there's still all sorts of live uh, coverage you can get online. Um, and I'm sure NASCAR, with all their g- different television networks, could show it live and then show it again on the network they're supposed to show it on later. I just it it to me that's something that should be thought about. All right, uh, Reaction Theater is open 24 seven. All you have to do is call toll-free 1-855-740-1902 and leave us your voicemail message, and we'll play the best each week right here on Dirty Mo' Radio. Kelly Earnhardt Miller's coming up tomorrow. Uh, she'll turn the tables on a media member and interview Fox Sports 1 reporter Wendy Venturini. Cool. One of our favorites. Uh, Friday, go in-depth with characters of JR Motorsports on JRM 360, the podcast. And on Mondays, we recap the full weekend for the Junior Motorsports Nationwide and late model teams and Dale's Sprint Cup Series run on the Monday recap presented by Spy with Amanda Troutman. This is broken records, I know, for length of podcast, but so incredibly worth it with all the great stuff from Barney Hall and the great calls and Dale Jr. and all his thoughts this week. But we got one more thing to do, and that's throw the white flag. White flag right there, white flag. Junior's not in town this week. He's resting and relaxing while we do all the work. And, <laughs> and by work, I mean we're drinking beer this afternoon to celebrate Casey Kane's victory at Daytona, just like we drank beer yesterday to celebrate <laughs> Kevin Harvick's win at Kentucky and Josh Berry's win at Southern National. So with us doing all this work, let's talk about what you can be doing to help us out. <laughs> That's right. Sprint's most popular driver voting has officially started, and if Dale Jr. is going to win 12 years in a row, he's going to need your help. You can cast your vote at www.mostpopulardriver.com or sprint.com slash speed. You can cast one ballot per email address per day. However, you can cast but two additional votes per person per email address on Facebook or Twitter. Fans, it's going to take every one of you vote for Dale Jr. That's right. I did it this morning. Yeah. 
Number two, when you're done, buy a $25 raffle ticket for the Wendell Jr.'s Ride promotion benefiting the Dale Jr. Foundation. Jr. is giving away his 2014 Corvette Stingray, and he's only selling 8,888 tickets. If you're a Vegas guy like myself, you know those ain't <laughs> bad odds. <laughs> Go to www.wendalejuniorsride.com. It's that easy. Don't forget Dale Jr. is up for the Best Driver SB Award. That, too, requires your vote. Go to ESPN.go.com slash SBs slash 2014 to vote Dale Jr. as best driver. Number four, check this out. Right now on eBay, Dale Jr. is auctioning off a fantasy football league experience with ESPN's Matthew Barry to benefit the V Foundation for Cancer Research. And this is so cool. This is cool. Listen to this, fans. This is cool. So you're bidding on the opportunity to be an owner in Dale Jr.'s league, and guess who else is in the league? Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Casey Kane, Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Chase Elliott, Jamie McMurray, and Regan Smith. Plus you get VIP access to the Watkins Glen Race Weekend where the draft will be held. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you sit really in cool. the draft room with them. All those guys are going to be owners. You're you're basically bidding on a chance to be an owner in that league and then come to Watkins Glen to have your live NFL. Sit next to those guys and draft your yeah, league that, and your that's team. That's an awesome weekend. Yeah. So for more, go to eBay and search for Fantasy Football In-Person Draft with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and expert Matthew Berry. Okay, I think we're actually racing this weekend. Uh, Junior Motorsports will try to make it three in a row Saturday at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Regan Smith and Chase Elliott will be running as usual, while Austin Terrio makes his return in the number five car. The race is Saturday on ESPN2. On Sunday, the NASCAR Spring Cup race will start at 1 p.m. Eastern and be televised on TNT. Dale Jr. will be back in his red, white, and blue National Guard colors. That is all. There you go. Good stuff, man. A long one this week. Amanda Troutman. We have put you to work, but uh, thank you for bringing the great Barney Hall uh, to us here on the podcast uh, this week. We certainly will recap New Hampshire next week. Looking forward to that. By the way, Hogue, you got to go to Warren's Lobster House in Kittery, Maine. One of the best places I've ever been in my life. Very much worth it if you uh, want to. If you get a, a wild hair. This weekend for Hogue, for Amanda Trout, <laughs> wild hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah or really? If you get one hair. I'm trying to get one He's word. He's trying in. to get one hair. Forget if the you wild get hair. One hair, not a wild hair. <laughs> right before <laughs> I was getting ready to bask TJ, you had to throw that in there. My bad, man. That was, a, that was a Freudian slip there. He teed that up nicely for us, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. For my man Hogue, <laughs> that, that better without not any it. hair. <laughs> uh, for uh, Mike Davis. I'm glad my self confidence issues are over. For Dale Earnhardt Jr., for Barney Hall. I'm Taylor Zarzer. This has been the Dale Jr. Download. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Hey, Dirty Mo Radio listeners. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it. Now go online to spyoptic.com and check out Dale Jr.'s signature Spy 88 collection. And guess what, Mike? What's that? If you use discount code Dale yeah at checkout, you can receive 20% off your purchase. Shut up. It's the truth. Which one are you going to get? Farah. Me, I'm a Quanta guy myself. Quanta. Quanta. I love Quanta. So go online now to spyoptic.com and use discount code Dale yeah D-A-L-E-Y-E-A-H at checkout and get 20% off your purchase. That's incredible.